Welcome to SBRE Capital Matters, the only show focused on the small balance real estate community with your host, Matt Burke. Good morning. Welcome to Capital Matters, the only show on the radio that uh, focuses exclusively on small balance real estate, all things small balance real estate from every angle. And uh, we try to bring people in that can help provide value to both sides of the aisle, which is the real estate entrepreneurs that, that do the deals that require the money and the high net worth investors that provide that capital. Today, we have Brian Mick from Mick Law out of Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome, Brian. Matt, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So uh, I met Brian probably, I want to say it's 2014, I want to say maybe 13, uh, at a conference down in uh, Napa. And I recall the very first time that I met him, we, either we were on a panel or maybe you're in the audience, I don't recall, but one of the topics at the time was Jobs Act. And it had just been rolled out and, and people were just now being able to go out for the first time and, and solicit to the general public. And I remember Brian being adamantly uh, against that, that act at the time and arguing that it was not going to be good for the investor and so on and so forth. And, you know, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years. And, and Brian and I actually haven't talked in advance of this session here today. But I'm, so, Brian, I'm curious, just, you know, what, you know, three or four years later, what's your take? now on the jobs act and what it's done and how it's impacted the uh, whole space well there were multiple components to the jobs act um, obviously you had the 506c general solicitation of reg d investments uh, you had the crowdfunding provisions and then you had uh, what probably you're referring to is the the repeal of the ban on uh, general solicitation which was uh, in place for some 50 years, uh, an yep. investor protection measure, uh, and that really allowed, um, rather than um, limited marketing of uh, private placements, Reg D offerings, really allowed a broad mass solicitation, which then, uh, you know, brought in 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 connection with uh, the crowdfunding and 506C rules. Uh, what you see now with the uh, internet portals, etc. Um, I think, you know, generally speaking, I've when when, when we go to the 506B, 506C uh, general solicitation of of private deals, Reg D deals, um, I, I'm not adamantly against it. I still strongly believe that uh, any private offering should be. Um, properly due diligence, properly analyzed uh, and researched, and uh, in most cases should um, be distributed through, you know, a FINRA-registered broker-dealer that has a little bit higher level of responsibility than just a third-party uh, accredited investor verification service. Yeah, and I think that uh, certainly, my experience, it's very difficult for an individual investor to do the level of due diligence that they really, really need to do to, to truly understand that investment. And I know that was a bit at the heart of heart of some of your concerns. And perhaps uh, before we go further here, Brian, why don't you give us a little brief background on yourself and your firm, kind of what, what it is you do and you know, kind of the angle that you have on the whole industry. You bet. So not uh, not going back to my upbringing in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, we'll fast forward. Graduated from Creighton University. Proud member of the Big East Conference now. Um, MBA and law degree, and then worked for 
uh, two law firms, one a 700-lawyer firm based in Kansas City and St. Louis, and then went in-house at a boutique broker-dealer, which is where really learned uh, the you know structuring and analysis of uh, private deals, mostly real estate. We did a couple of private equity offerings, um, and then went back to private practice in 2002 uh, and started representing broker-dealers. We have nine lawyers in the firm now, uh, research paralegals, and uh, depending on the asset type, uh, we bring in our uh, real estate underwriters or petroleum engineers and geologists on the energy side. So, so tell us a little bit about your focus of, of what you guys do at the firm, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty well aware of it, but uh, why don't you share with our audience kind of the focus and the angle that you guys come at the whole space and, and what you do for your clients. Sure. So we consider ourselves part of the uh, risk mitigation process for uh, broker-dealers, uh, registered investment advisors. Uh, we have a few family offices and one small institutional investor that we count in our client base. Um, the trend for the last 10 years in the broker-dealer industry has been one of closing and consolidation. So. You know, 10 years ago, there were 5,400 um, licensed broker-dealers in this country. I think we're down to 3,500, 3,600 today. Uh, we've, uh, therefore, um, you know, it's uh, broker-dealers are our bread-and-butter client base, but we've also uh, focused on uh, registered investment advisors uh, and direct high-net-worth uh, investors. We're, our, our job is to... Uh, notwithstanding the asset class, uh, our job is to assist the investor side in doing the appropriate level of due diligence on an offering. I would say in terms of asset classes, we focus primarily on real estate and energy. Uh, we have seen everything from one-off private equity to pooled vehicles to managed futures, a lot of hedge fund screening. Uh, and really any other private investments you can think of. We just recently uh, wrote our first opinion on a cryptocurrency fund uh, with a ton of, yeah, with a ton of research uh, and background uh, provided by one of our associates here, Kevin Vinami. He did a great job. So we're focused initially on what would be called a sponsor opinion, uh, and then we also issue our opinions on individual deals. So if the broker-dealer is your client base, and then, then I guess that means that they're the ones typically that are engaging you to do the due diligence on behalf of particular deals that you're looking at. Is that correct? Somewhat. Our engagement letter, uh, which has been you know vetted, obviously, by the appropriate bar associations where we're licensed, uh, our engagement letter is signed by the sponsor or issuer uh, of the fund or asset that's raising the capital. Mm -hmm. So the bad news is uh, they sign an engagement letter that, that says uh, McLaw represents. We, we acknowledge that McLaw represents its broker, dealer, and investment advisor clients. We acknowledge that that relationship is adverse. Uh, we also acknowledge that if McLaw thinks this deal is okay or better, uh, that does not guarantee that any particular firm will sign a selling agreement or agree to market the units in the fund. Mm -hmm. um, I analogize it to 
uh, and some of your audience might uh, might make a, a better connection here. I analogize it to a commercial real estate loan. Uh, in a commercial real estate loan, the borrower pays all the lender's legal fees, uh, but it doesn't mean that anybody is on the take. And we have uh, we've had a lot of feedback from the field, field examiners, uh, from the securities regulators that like to see our work. Uh, they know that we've rejected a number of deals historically uh, that ultimately, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, uh, the regulators get to them and, and uh, shut them down or they end up on CNBC, American Greed. Typically, then, with respect to the person that's engaging you, which would be the issuer of the securities or the fund manager or sponsor of the deal, uh, that would come normally from a broker-dealer client who was, what, interested in that particular offering and has, and then has therefore steered that client or directed them toward you guys as a potential source because that's a requirement of their selling agreement that they have some sort of a due diligence report from a third party such as your firm? Yes, that's a, that's a fair assessment of the process. Um, we get business through that traditional route, so it's it's bottom up, right? Um, and an IAR from a registered investment advisor may meet somebody is interested in this particular uh, storage unit development fund. So they go through to the chief compliance person at the investment advisor or the broker dealer, say I'm interested in in having my clients invest in this project. Uh, the broker-dealer says to the sponsor, uh, here's Mick Law, that's the firm we use to help us uh, vet and diligence the deals, contact Brian, here's his info, or they'll contact me directly, or they will, in the industry, start making inquiries about raising capital, and somebody will say, call Brian Mick, because most folks are going to require that his law firm uh, issue an opinion on the particular deal, and I think where where we there there are a number of folks, um, you know the 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 sandbox that I play in because it's such a niche practice is pretty small. Uh, there are some other folks out there. We differentiate ourselves because of the 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 independent underwriting uh, that we do on on uh, real estate and energy deals. Well, very interesting. Well, we're going to take a quick break here uh, for a moment, and then we'll, right after the break, we'll be back with uh, Brian Mick from Mick Law out of Omaha, Nebraska. Redwood Real Estate Administration, LLC, is a third-party administration firm focused exclusively on non-institutional-sized real estate asset-based funds, syndications, and managers. Redwood REA's exclusive focus on small balance real estate combined with high-touch answers, accessibility, personal service, and full spectrum of SBRE solutions is what a growing number of clients highly regard as the Redwood difference. If you are looking to streamline your back office and professionalize your financial and investor reporting, then contact Redwood Real Estate Administration today at www.redwoodrea.com. Redwood REA the Small Balance Real Estate Back Office Administration Experts. The Small Balance Real Estate community is growing. Comprised of serious real estate entrepreneurs and savvy high net worth investors, the shared abundance mindset is a bond. 
sbrefunds.com is where the SBRE community gathers to grow their knowledge and their portfolios. If you are looking for SBRE investment opportunities, educational content across the spectrum of SBRE-focused topics, and an online resource exclusively servicing the flourishing SBRE community, then sbrefunds.com welcomes you. Welcome back to Capital Matters. We are here speaking with Brian Mick from Mick Laws, a law practice specializing in broker-dealer and RIA and family office representation out of Omaha, Nebraska, with uh, clients all over the country. Brian, I know due diligence, let's get into a little more of the meat of some of what you're doing, but I know that it's near and dear to your heart. And uh, when you get engaged and you're working on one of your projects, what types of things specifically are you looking for in that project on behalf of your clients? You bet. So um, we really have two functions. If somebody is coming, let's say a firm has traditionally done, you know, six or eight or ten deals with friends and family money, and they're moving kind of to the next level of capital raising, or maybe uh, they've been funded institutionally, but they're uh, they're getting a little worn on, the, you know, the the waterfall IRR. Uh, pressures that the the private equity institutional folks put on them, or maybe they're, for business reasons, trying to diversify their sources of capital. Uh, they will come to us, and they'll be new to, you know, this segment of the industry. So the first thing we do is what we refer to as a sponsor opinion. Who is this company? You know, my clients will say, "Well, who's this company? I've never heard of them. What do they do?" Uh, we need a sponsor opinion. So. That process requires, uh, we send out the engagement letter, we send out a laundry list uh, of information and financials that we need to do our job. Uh, depending on what we see, uh, that can develop you know, other areas of inquiry questions uh, and, and follow-up requests during the course of the engagement. That whole, that whole engagement start to finish uh, is generally 30 days. Uh, we do a site visit. Um, the areas that we focus on on the sponsor opinion are obviously capitalization of the parent firm, the holding company, uh, what kind of revenue do they have, and existing balance sheet capitalization to ensure that they're going to remain in this business, uh, notwithstanding whether one or two deals get funded. Uh, we've, we've seen some bootstrappers along the way. Uh, we focus on uh, full cycle uh, and existing asset track records. Uh, we do our own valuation exercise on, on existing projects. And then on the full cycle deals, we, we pull closing statements, closing files, require redacted checks, sometimes uh, access to remote access to accounts of the fund or the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking at functional areas. We're trying to understand the expertise in, in, the, in the experience in acquisitions, uh, financing, property management, leasing. They run those particular, particular functional areas that all, all of which are going to touch a particular asset. Um, we're looking at accounting procedures, you know, dual signatures, wire authorizations, uh, anything that might uh, be loose or need to be restructured on the accounting procedure side to prevent investor funds going somewhere other than they should not be, mm -hmm. uh, IT security, uh, investor relations. And then you know, last but not least, we our research paralegals do 
uh, a comprehensive background search, not only verifying uh, existence of entities, but qualification of those entities in jurisdictions where there will be assets held or business done. And then we take uh, all 5% shareholders, officers, and directors uh, and research not only those individuals, um, but prior companies with, with whom they might have been affiliated. So under the uh, Federal Securities Regulation SK and the Federal Securities Act would not require that the CFO of the current company was a CFO of two prior entities that filed bankruptcy in 2004 and 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, that would not be required to be disclosed in an offering document, but we think that information is material relative to our client's decision to participate. Uh, and then on the on the fund or the asset side, we're we're digging down more on the private placement memorandum, the disclosures uh, that are made in that memorandum, making sure that the disclosures or lack of disclosure uh, matches up with not only the underlying organizational documents but uh, the asset itself. You know, for instance, our our pro formas on capital reserves are insufficient to replace the roof in six years, which the engineering report says will need to happen. Well, you, you obviously want the appropriate level of reserves to maintain the asset. You don't want a capital call to the investors. Uh, you don't want a lender inspection to trigger uh, a technical default under the loan document. So we're analyzing the reserve analysis and the pro forma relative to uh, the capital requirements of the asset. So you're uh, doing a deep dive on both the sponsor, the operator, the people behind the deal itself, and also the individual transactions. Are these all in one report, or these are two separate engagements, or what? Two separate, two separate. The first is the sponsor opinion, and and generally speaking, once the uh, the issuer, you know, capital raising firm for their uh, business model or their real estate acquisitions, once they're familiar to our client base and they are performing and they're actually sending checks to investors, which is a good thing. Uh, that sponsor opinion can have a shelf life of a couple years or, uh, you know, ad infinitum, right? It's a, it's an introductory process for the most part. We do have clients that ask us to, to update the sponsor opinion. For instance, when you think about the, the swoon that was experienced in the energy space, uh, when West Texas Intermediate went from, you know, $128 a barrel <clears throat> down to the mid mid 20s, uh, we would have clients call and say, "Hey, we understand that our investors aren't getting the same distributions from production that they were. We're concerned about the the viability of the sponsor entity to get through mm -hmm. uh, this trough in the industry, right? So they we would get uh, an ongoing engagement in a case yeah. like that." And then, you know, on the deal side, uh, whether it's a seeded fund, whether it's a blind pool, uh, doesn't matter if it's a seeded fund or a one-off 1031, you know, DST structure. We're also taking a, a lender's counsel approach, uh, doing title survey, phase one, engineering review, uh, and then most importantly, the underwriting, doing, doing the independent research on the, on the sub-market and the asset. I was going to ask you for an example of a success story, but since you mentioned American Greed, if you didn't mind sharing with us, is there uh, some something you might 
that story you might tell about somebody that ended up on American Greed that's, that's say, not uh, attorney-client privileged? Sure. Uh, um yeah, I think it's all out in the public domain at this juncture, and we've we've we're starting to see, uh, unfortunately, in the 1031 exchange space, a uh, uh, little frothiness, shall we say, uh, that we experienced in you know 0506. Uh, we're seeing a lot of new players in the space that think they can just you know grab a deal off LoopNet and mark it up and distribute it. Um, but one of the one of the more colorful people in the in the in the tenant in common days uh, was a guy named Ed Oaken, uh, O-K-U-N. And, and Ed, um, we looked at uh, one deal in Indiana. It was a shopping center. His expertise was taken, uh, you know, uh, broken might be too strong of a term, but, you know, low occupancy centers and, and really sure. doing the refurbishment and putting in the marketing dollars and retenanting yeah. centers. And the first deal looked good. Uh, the second deal was a single tenant. Uh, industrial deal, and we asked for uh, financials on the tenant company, and then also for a personal guarantee uh, if it existed from the principal of the company and the and the guarantors' financials. And we were rebuffed uh, on our request for documentation and financials, and therefore we told our clients to stay away. Fast forward, uh, Mr. Oaken saw all the money that was sitting with the 1031 exchange accommodators and decided to do uh, basically a roll-up transaction with six or seven different firms. And at that juncture, he had tens of millions of dollars at any time sitting in escrow for uh, customers, investors, exchange transactions. He decided to uh, borrow, if you will, uh, that money for other purposes and, and ultimately... Uh, it all fell apart. He is in a Miami jail. I think he had a 99-year sentence. So uh, he got what he deserved, but uh, many investors were unfortunately left out. He's and that was a that ended up on American Greed. I will have to watch that episode. Yeah. Yes, sir. I got time for another quick question or two. But what do you just general 30 second? What's your take on the uh, overall state of the market right now in real estate space? Um, well, I think it's a, a little bit of a tale of two cities, but uh, across the board, there are some asset classes that are frankly um, uh, getting a bit stretched. Um, we advised our clients oh, two, two years ago or so uh, to start uh, maybe lightening up on the triple net, um, you know, net lease sector. Uh, that is so sensitive to interest rates, and we, you know, you're a you're a fool if you can, if you think you can pick the bottom or the top. And we were a little ahead of the game. I mean, there were you know 50 basis points cap rate uh, on or better on some of these assets yet to realize. But clearly, I I think we're going to start seeing cap rates on some of these you know drug stores, auto stores, etc. moving back up. If you go in and you fix your debt and amortize your debt long term, you can you can weather about any storm. But we've seen a couple of uh, folks, you know, trying to use floating rate, uh, IO, you know, interest only debt on those deals, and, and those are going to blow up. Tough um, mul- yeah, uh, brand new Class A multifamily in a lot of markets yep. uh, is getting quite pricey, and you just cannot get the positive leverage that justifies a new buy. We follow Dr. Glenn Mueller for your audience's uh, edification. 
Dr. Glenn Mueller out of the University of Denver runs their uh, real estate finance program. He has a very good cycle analysis by the top 50 metros by asset class. We follow him. I think uh, a tip for your listeners, when you, when you see rents escalating at a decreasing period-over-period period rate and vacancies starting to tick up uh, in a particular market, you know you're near the top. So we're seeing that some in multifamily. Um, we think there's still opportunity in the in the retail space, you know, the grocery-anchored, non-anchored strips, especially if you can find some stuff and you have an operator that can find vacancy and turn it. Uh, the Internet of Things is affecting retail, but not necessarily the neighborhood uh, user, you know, the Chinese restaurant, the uh, yep, laundry exactly. facility, State Farm agent, et cetera. Yeah, as you say, tale of two cities. So, so uh, Brian, we're running out of time here. How can people get in touch with you if they want to? 402-504-1710. Our website is micklawpcpetercharlie.com. All right, Brian, thanks for uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it, and uh, good having you on the show. Thank you very much, Matt. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for joining me on SBRE Capital Matters, the only show dedicated exclusively to all things small balance real estate. We truly are committed here to trying to have meaningful discussion and quality resources on the show to help both the entrepreneurs that uh, do the deals and the high net worth investors that put money in that space. And remember, when it comes to small balance real estate, capital matters. You have been listening to SBRE Capital Matters, hosted by Matt Burke. To enjoy other episodes, please visit www.sbrefunds.com slash radio. Nothing in this show is intended to be or should be accepted as legal, accounting, or investment advice. None of the Fairway America companies provide that kind of professional service to SBRE entrepreneurs or investors. Fairway America strongly encourages anyone offering or making SBRE investments to work with qualified attorneys, accountants, and investment advisors to help them navigate the many legal and similar issues that are not addressed here.